York, New York, big city of dreams. I'm talking, talking, I'm talking straight out. out New York, New York, big city of dreams. Yep, what's going on? This is Jay Ellis from the Nick of Time Show. Here to give you that Knicks talk just in the Nick of Time. Time to talk about a Knicks loss. Knicks lose to the 76ers in Philadelphia, 119 to 108. Jalen Brunson gives you 20 points in the first quarter, but finishes with 30 points, nine assists, seven rebounds. Almost had a good day and woke up with a triple double. Julius Randle gives you 30, 10, and three assists. RJ Barrett, the Bodman, drops in with 19 points, quickly chips in with 13, but really it seems like the story of the night was the bench. The Knicks bench was outscored by the 76ers bench in a large by a large margin, 42 to 21, and also fourth quarter scoring was an issue for these knicks knicks only scored 15 points in the fourth quarter the zone once again shut us down big surprise they took out Jalen brunson after that monstrous first quarter and the knicks end up losing 119 to 108 to the 76ers and we're gonna talk about the good the bad and the very very ugly before we get into that you know the deal if you like the show hit the like and subscribe button we are here after every game talking knicks and you want to be here with us at the kt show also shout out to fubu tv if you love the knicks and you love to watch the knicks for free for seven days go to fubutv.com slash kot that's fubutv.com slash kot to watch the knicks for free for seven days you you can cut the subscription whenever you want to you can actually record the games over there as well so shout out to fubu tv for partnering with us now let me introduce you to our guys first and foremost, it is the man, the myth, the legend, the guy with the stats and the facts. Ryan G's in the building. Tough loss to the Sixers tonight, but also big on Rasheed Wallace for wearing that Chiefs jersey <laughs> in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that man is crazy. <laughs> oh, man. Shout out to Rasheed is, is, is a nutcase for that. Uh, but also, introducing uh, one of the KOT favorites, like... Ariel, you don't really know. You might you have like a like a small KOT hive over here from when you was here last year when I was talking about uh, bringing people back. It's like, yo, Ariel, like one of your name did pop up. So shout out to one of my vid, my favorite video people on Twitter, my man Ariel over here, who was going to check in with us and give his perspective. What's going on, man? Yeah, I appreciate y'all. I appreciate all the KLT supporters. Make sure y'all, y'all like and subscribe. But I'm always glad to be here. It's been a while, but, yeah. but we're back. We're here. Yeah, it's been a while. It's definitely been a while. I got to reach out for them. I'm, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're back. So, yo, glad let's let's back. get to it. This was a pump fake game. If I ever seen one, guys, I was feeling good. I was feeling good for three quarters. I was like, my chest is out. I was like, the 76ers? Ugh. 
They got nothing on our big three. Julius Randle is casually hitting threes in the corner. Jalen Brunson transitions from giving you buckets in the first to dishing it in the second. RJ Barrett is also scoring at will. I'm like, oh, we about to like, you know, <laughs> we, we about to Millie Rock all the way to the finish line. That's the way I saw our evening going until the third quarter hit. And the third quarter hit us good smacked in the face rj barrett misses a three and then turns the ball over quick five point swing bang <laughs> julius randall in the fourth quarter starts arguing with the ref two turnovers in a row bang bang next thing you know we're down and that's all she wrote and to tell you the truth guys i did not expect to win this game in the beginning but my hopes got up in the middle of the game. He <laughs> was like, oh, we're about to win. <laughs> and then it gets I snatched the, the, the whole got snatched from, from under me. But I, I'll say this, there's this this is certain this I kind of like the process for the most part of this game. But I want to get your take on what you think the how you feel the process was, Ariel. I'll let you go first since you were the guest. All right. What did you think of the process? of this game and your thoughts on a game in general. Um, with the Sixers, you know, obviously they have Joel Embiid and Harden. So I, I think the big thing with them and, and the numbers bear it out is that when those two are on the floor together, they're one of the best teams in the league. They have one of the best lineups in the league when both of those guys are in. But Doc Rivers, he doesn't like to play those guys together, Um, like to start the second quarter, like he'll take them both off the floor is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. And that's when usually teams are able to like, build the lead or, or, you know, climb back into a game. And that's kind of what happened today where the Knicks, um, they built the lead while Harden and Embiid were off. And then when Harden and Embiid were in the game, that's when they kind of struggled a little bit. And then the big adjustment that I think lost the Knicks the game was the start of the fourth quarter where Doc Rivers actually um, subbed Harden in to start the fourth. And then the Knicks didn't sub in Randall or Brunson. Mm -hmm. So I think that little dynamic, that was kind of the key difference in the game. Um, Doc Rivers going with one of his two best guys on the floor to start the fourth and then the Knicks opting not to. And then you can see the offense kind of, it, it was already struggling due to the zone and kind of the ball pressure. But I think that's when the Sixers were really able to like pull away. And, and that's kind of what put the nail in the coffin, in my opinion. Yeah. For me, it was like, uh, it was like shot makers versus shot takers in that fourth. Cause even with Harden in there, I like the process of the bench, you know? We got clean looks. We had uh, McBride had open three that he missed. Yeah. We had RJ Barrett missed an open three. And then you go back to the other end and you got James Harden um, nailing a three and Maxine nailing a three. And then you panic. But it, it's we, we discussed that for a few times here, Ariel, like whether or not to 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 uh, put Brunson in there with RJ to kind of like supplement the bench a little bit, stagger the minutes. Um, I kind of like RJ doing it to, so he can get some run being the man without, you know, without uh, Randall and Brunson, even though it, it might actually hurt our wing column. I just like the process of RJ learning to man a second unit on his own personally. But um, uh, Ryan G, what did you think of the game? What did you think of what Ariel just said or your just thoughts on the game in general? Yeah, um, you know, I'm, I was just like you, jealous. Like, you know, when the game started and I saw how the Knicks were playing, I thought this was going to be a surefire win. You know, Brunson came out, dropped 20 in the first quarter, 
Knicks are moving the ball around, yeah. getting shots. Knicks are pretty much getting any shot they wanted from, for, the majority, for the majority of the game. And then the changing point came in the third quarter, like you said, that five-point swing when, when I think the Sixers hit, hit like a two-pointer and then RJ Barrett was throwing in the ball and then it got stolen and then Max hit the three. Then that was pretty much the turning point in the game. Everything just started to go downhill from there. And then going into the fourth quarter, I think the Sixers, you know, like Ariel said, you know, they put Harden in to start the fourth quarter. And they were running that hard and pick and roll, especially with the big. And they were switching. They, and they, you know, they were getting, you know, switches on Harden. And Harden was pretty much yeah. getting anything that he wanted off of that shot or passing it to like, you know, you know, passing it to another guy that's to shoot a three, whatever the case may be. And Sixers and the Sixers were just knocking in their shots. The Sixers were hot from three. They couldn't stop Maxi. Maxi was killing them from Maxie the bench. And, <laughs> and ultimately, you know, the Knicks couldn't really get back into the game. I thought that in the second quarter when the Sixers were playing the zone, I thought the Knicks handled that zone really well. I think they were penetrating the middle of the zone and they were actually getting good shots. But then in the fourth quarter, I think they got a bit stagnant in the offense and they did a, a bunch of like over dribbling instead of continuing to move the ball to try to beat the zone. I think that's what killed them as well. Yeah. To me, it just seemed like their head wasn't in the game. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Ariel, because I can go off on a tangent from that. Well, yeah, I think the three things that we've we've learned this season, especially in the past month that the Knicks really struggle with, the zone, a lot of, when, when teams put length on like Brunson, mm-hmm. and then when teams turn up the ball pressure. And the Sixers did two out of the three, I think. I think they, they turned up the ball pressure. Maxi really got into Brunson in that third quarter. Mm-hmm. And that really slows down the Knicks offense. And then especially against the zone, those are like just two issues that are like compounding each other. So then you really get the worst tendencies of the Knicks offense. So I, I think that's kind of what happened. The offense slowed down. It got ugly. Um, guys start to force things a little more and the ball movement stops. So that, that's kind of the big thing that I've noticed this season is those are the big three things that are like really, really when the Knicks start to look ugly on offense, that's usually what it is. It's one of those three things happening. Yeah. And it's usually like the length will bother Brunson. I felt like we've had problems all year adjusting to people trapping Brunson for long periods of time. When people put length on Brunson for long periods of time, or like they just take the ball out of his hands in general. And in that second quarter, that, that end of the first quarter, um, I was kind of hopeful because end of the first quarter, end of the second quarter, they were making the effort to take the ball out of Brunson's hands and Brunson was still scoring. Like he had 20 points in the first quarter, second quarter uh, people, they were kind of meeting him at that mid range level spot and he was forced to pass the ball and they were still making plays. The ball move was humming. So I thought, you know what? We're in a rhythm. If they start to do that in the fourth quarter again, because that's usually what teams do in the fourth quarter, they'll start to trap Brunson again and get the ball out of his hands. I was hoping that maybe that's the point where, you know, we're already comfortable. So let's keep going to what gave us success earlier on and it just didn't happen. And I kind of feel like mentally when I was watching Julius Randle be more concerned with the refs with like four or three minutes left in a game while that's happening to Brunson, I started to get that uh-oh feeling in the pit of my stomach because I'm just like, this is the time when you need another playmaker to take over when Brunson is, is not able to do his thing and this is the thing this is the time where you even need people to hit threes and you wasn't able to do that today 
Yeah, yeah. But salute to the chat, man. It was a good. It was a good game overall. I will say the process of the game was was good overall. It's just we're just missing some things. We're just missing some things. We're just missing some things at this point. Uh, at this point, I need RJ Barrett. To, this is when I keep saying I need. We need an elite wing. This is why I keep saying we need RJ Barrett, who has the most playmaking capabilities, to be able to to step in when Jalen Brunson is being pressured and do something with the ball because he's taller and bigger. He should be able to see over the top of some of these guys and make plays, but it just didn't happen, man. <laughs> it just didn't happen. Um, I did like a couple of small things. I did like Hartenstein's game today. What did you think about the decision to use go with um Sims over Hartenstein in the fourth though? I was kind of perplexed by that because I felt like Hartenstein defensively today was really good. Um three blocks today from Hartenstein and Tibbs went Sims. And I I can't believe I'm saying this, but I want Hartenstein to play over Sims. I don't know. What did y'all guys think? <laughs> uh, well, let you go first, Ryan. Okay, um well. I agree. Um, I do think Sims does tend to struggle against bigger guys, you know, bigger, longer guys like Embiid, Anthony Davis, et cetera. Like Sims, because, you know, Sims, I think Sims is really good against like, I want to say like smaller centers, you know, like centers are like 6'10", maybe, you know, when guys get like seven foot or near seven foot in their long, I think Sims tends to start, tends to struggle with them. And then on top of them, Embiid is a bit more on the stronger side as well. Yeah. So I think Hardesty would have been a better choice to try to guard Embiid. But I don't really want to, you know, get on Sims a lot because Sims did, you know, he did provide good effort against Embiid. He tried his best, but ultimately I just think Embiid was too big and too powerful for him in the post and, Ultimately, yeah, um, I'm, I'm actually surprised Stibbs didn't go with Hardesty because if you look at, you know, at least the last few games, like Stibbs has leaned on Hardesty when it was, a, when it, you know, it's a bigger guy in the paint. So it's kind of surprising that he went with Sims. It, it, it was perplexing. Yeah. Um, I'm actually on the other side of it. I actually thought Sims was just guarding Embiid one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. I thought Embiid was, I mean, Embiid struggled a little more against Sims in the one-on-one -on -one situation. I think the one thing that kind of killed Sims on that end was the fouls, which obviously are a big deal. Yeah. Um, but I thought the third quarter when Hartenstein was in, I think Tips got a little scared to like put him in, in the fourth just because he was kind of really over-muscling him, especially in the second quarter as well, and Bede really got going. So I, I thought Hartenstein, where they needed Hartenstein was more so on offense against the zone. There was yeah. a couple of times where they found Hartenstein in the middle and he was able to like get to the rim, which he can, he can do a little bit. He can put the ball on the floor yeah. in the right uh, setting. But I think... The, the thing is, I, I just think with against Embiid, there is no perfect matchup when it comes to Sims or Hartenstein. Like, you're giving up something. Um, so I wasn't really mad. I think the bigger issue was that Sims is kind of a, a zero on offense right now. He doesn't really grab offensive rebounds. Um, at, at least Hartenstein gives you a little element of passing. He, can, he, can, he has that little floater in the middle, especially against the zone that helps. So I, I think we don't talk enough about how the Knicks miss Mitchell Robinson on offense. Oh, we just talk for his about, offensive rebound. We talk about. Oh, yeah. Oh. oh, okay, okay. Because I, I, I look around and like everybody talks about Mitchell Robinson is missed on defense, but his his offensive rebounding, his lob, the the lobs, it's not the same as it is with Sims. But yeah. I, I think Mitchell Robinson is so important to what the the Knicks do on both ends of the floor. Yeah, I I talk a lot about how 
we miss a lot of shots, bottom of the league in field goal percentage, bottom of the league in three-point percentage, but top yep. in the leagues in the reboundings, and we sorely miss uh, Mitchell Robinson on offense and, and defense because of his offensive rebounding. But surprisingly, though, I will say we've been getting our fair share of offensive rebounds even without Mitch. So it's, that's been kind of sustained better than I thought. So I haven't, I haven't been actually talking about it more recently because that part has been sustained. The, the defensive end, though, for for real, we've been we, we've dropped out of the top ten in defense since Mitch has been out. I think we're like sixteen or seventeen right now. So we we definitely miss Mitch and a night like tonight when you have Joel Embiid, who's bigger, stronger, seven foot longer, is a night where we definitely miss Mitch's positioning. And just having another big out there to just kind of make things difficult for him on one-on-one basis. Whenever the refs stop calling the ticky-tack fouls, <laughs> you know, then we start to fare better with that Mitch lineup. So uh, get well soon, Mitch. He's supposed to be back after the All-Star break. So hopefully he's back in 100%. All right. Salute to the chat. Um, the phone lines, I'm not sure if the phones are actually working. I tried to call in and I don't know, but if you, you can try, I can see if I can see you or not. 319-527-6241. I called in, but I have not heard the little moniker to let me know that it's actually working. So we'll see how that goes. All right. Um, all right, cool. Yo, Aaron, while I have you here, shoot, I actually need to plug in my laptop before it dies and the light goes out. But I do I did want to ask you a few questions. Cause you know, the Ariel is one of my favorite video guys on Twitter. And as a guy who likes to deep dive into video, I just I just want to ask you like a couple of questions on um how do you feel? What are your what is the surprise for you this season when it comes to the Knicks offense? Um, did you think it was going to uh advance the way it has? Do you or and what do you feel like we need to do more of as well? I know I to me today I felt like passing, we, we did a lot more passing today than we have in the last, you know, actually in the last week, I feel like the passing has gone a lot better, but what do you feel like you need, uh, the Knicks need to work on when it comes to executing the office? Cause we, you know, we are kind of struggling. It's small things to me. I don't think there's anything major that needs to be fixed. The Knicks have been like a top 10 offense all season. Um, a lot of people, I see a lot of people complaining that sometimes they go too much, too many, too many ISOs, mm -hmm. which I do think is a problem at times, but I, I think, why the Knicks are a top 10 offense is because Randall and Brunson have been elite in isolations this season, um, specifically Brunson, especially those two guys, like that's where they're, they're thriving right now. I, I think a small thing that Julius Randall did this season was he's taking less mid rangers, he's taking a bunch of threes now. And even though he's not an elite three point shooter, like him taking up that volume kind of makes up for that. So he's taking like eight threes a game and he's making 35%, but th that's a big difference in comparison to him taking those mid ranges from last season where he really struggled with um, the, the, the small thing that they can do that, that'll really like boost their offense. And you, you see it, especially you've seen it tonight actually was when they push the pace and they're like opportunistic about when they're attacking in transition and they can just create easy buckets so that it's not always hard. It's not always Brunson has to create something out of nothing or Julius has to, yeah. you know, face a double team and swing the ball around. 
So the more that you can just like create easy buckets, like the easier their life will be. So that's the one thing that I'm like looking forward to seeing if they can do that. And that's something that Josh Hart is going to help a ton with because he grabs a lot of boards and he pushes immediately. He's, he's a one man fast break in, in, in that sense. So I'm very excited to see how he helps the Knicks kind of up that tempo and, and what it'll mean for guys like Obi, who hasn't really been able to benefit like he has in the past seasons from it. Yo, it's interesting you said that. Cause I, you know, at the beginning of the season, the Knicks started out pushing the pace. That was like, yeah. that was a, a staple. I think we were top 10 in pace. And then we started to kind of get rid of that. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because we started to lack on a defensive end or maybe we, the turnovers are too high for Tibbs' liking, so we slowed it down. But I do feel like we kind of, uh, well, there goes the light. This is why I need to get my laptop. <laughs> I do feel like we do need to kind of find more of a middle ground with that and not just go from like the top piece to like the bottom of the league, but you know, at least get to like the mid, you know what I mean? But I don't know. Do you know, have you seen why we slowed down the pace or did you even think about that? It's a it's a thing where, and it's a Tom Thibodeau thing where he's done this everywhere he's been, where when he gets a, a lead or a big lead, he likes to slow the pace down and, and kind of limit the possession game. I think Thibodeau's very big on winning the possession game in, in, in every game where he tries to, you know, his bigs crash the glass, you know, um, they slow it down when they have big leads. And that's part of the issue why the Knicks do blow a lot of big leads is they kind of go away from what got them the big lead when they yeah. slow it down. So I don't think the Knicks will ever, ever be like a top 10 team in pace while Thibodeau is his coach. But what, what I do think they can do is like they were tonight is when the opportunity opportunities do present themselves to push the pace, they got to, they have to, they have yeah. to take advantage of that. And that's where a guy like Hart, who just naturally does that, is going to help. Um, I do think guys like RJ, that'll help him out, get easier buckets in transition. And, and Obi, of course, as I mentioned before, who, who, who thrives in transition. So I think those are... That's it's just a small thing that I think can really boost boost everybody's games involved. Yeah. You have anything to add to that, Ryan? Or any questions while I try to like, like plug my laptop so I get light back on? I, I'm looking like I got even paid electric bill here. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, um, I agree with a lot of what um Ariel said that. because Go ahead, Ryan. yeah, because um that's why I was a big fan of the hard trade when it came through because. You know, not only because Hart is like a Swiss army knife, like he provides a lot of, he can do a lot of different things, you know, on the offensive side of the ball and then on top of that, he plays defense. And I was also thinking about that as well, because the the one area where the Knicks do lack is transition buckets, like you said, Ariel. And yeah. I think with Hart coming here, especially Hart being like one of the top offensive rebounding guards in the league, or I should say one of the top offensive rebounding guards slash wings in the league, he'll definitely help in that department because he'll, help he'll help on he'll help on the boards and he'll push the pace you know and help the Knicks to get some transition buckets so that's how that's why I was really big on the hard trade as well but yeah I guess um that's all I wanted to really add um yeah and it doesn't even have to be like running out on fast breaks it's just like sometimes they'll even like when they bring the ball up like in the half court that they're like so slow walking it up and then you're getting into your actions with like 15 seconds as opposed to 18 seconds. And those three seconds make a huge difference when you're trying to swing the ball around and, and make the defense rotate. So I just think it's such a small thing. It's low hanging fruit that I think the Knicks could really benefit from. Okay. I yeah. missed, I, I jumped in there. I can't like double dutch right now. All right. <laughs> what am I? So you say I missed something about, uh, are we talking about attacking closeouts? 
Oh no no! I was just saying that uh, I'll repeat it real fast that uh, that the Knicks like even just pushing the pace doesn't mean going out and transition on the fast break every time. It just means even when they bring the ball out of an inbounds in the half court and and running your actions with 18 seconds on the clock as opposed to like 14 is a big difference. Those four seconds can be the difference between making another guy rotate and now you have an open three as opposed to oh now I have to chuck this up because I, I don't have enough time to make another move. That's a great point. I mean, listen, like another problem I feel like we have is we don't always seem to take advantage of the scramble. Brunson works hard to get into the tooth of the defense. And a lot of times, once he gets in the tooth of the defense, he, he passes the ball out and guys hesitate to shoot or they're not closing out in a way that causes the defense to like recollapse again. And the, the defense kind of gets a chance to reset. So that's a that's a um a thing that we have to work on too. So it's funny because when I'm looking at Hart, and I'll ask you guys about Hart in a minute. When I look at a guy about Hart, I love the fit for his team on, on the bench, but I do have a little bit of concern about his his um unwillingness to shoot three point shots when uh, we need it because we already have a guy in Quentin Grimes who's not doing that right now. So, but I I do like Josh Hart in that. That. I do like his his fit with the team in general. I'll say that. All right. Yeah, I think the difference kind of between the, the the Grimes and the Hart is that I think Hart is more of a confidence issue in his jumper, and mm -hmm. I think Grimes is more of a like, oh, they, they want me to attack closeouts as well, so let me do this. So I, I think Grimes is still kind of balancing the let me shoot this open three versus let me attack closeouts, while I think Hart is more he's had a, he's having like the worst shooting season of his career right now he's at 30 percent, i believe mm -hmm. and i think it's just more of a like i don't think i can hit this shot let me let me just drive it in so i think it's different but it is the same issue and it'll be interesting to see how both of them do down down the stretch of the season got you all right I, i'm while i have a video guy here i want to ask this question Sh uh, shout out shout out to my guy lee defense and Tibbs has also been like a, a thing here. We give up a lot of threes. Um, today, I feel like threes killed us a lot. But, you know, sometimes we get, we get confused because we're seeing bigs run drop coverage from the three-point line. Um, and we feel like they should be pushing up. Sometimes we people feel like we prioritize protecting the paint too much and not the threes. What are your views on Tibbs' uh, defensive system and just guarding the three-point line in general? Well, that's the number one. The number one rule with, with any typical defense is protect the paint, nothing at the rim. Um, you'll see the Knicks, they, they provide a lot of help at the nail. So they don't want to give up drives. So a lot of times they give up those like one pass away threes on the wing. Mm -hmm. You'll see that a lot. And then whenever a, a big man is rolling, you'll always see the weak side help come in early. And if the guy who's dribbling the ball, handling the ball is a good enough passer, he, he'll hit that corner pretty easily. Um, so, I mean, it, there is no perfect way to play defense. I do think to his credit, especially while he's been in New York, he's been a consistently like top 10, 12-ish defense. So, I mean, it's hard to criticize that. I do think the threes on a night where the other team has it going, it can be frustrating because you're just like kind of giving them a pressure point to keep attacking. Right. But, um, I do think it's hard to argue against the results when when you look at the defensive rating season to season. 
Um, so I, I just think it's kind of a preference thing, uh, more so as opposed to it being like a results-based thing. But but yeah, the Thibodeau is, is always gonna sell out to protect the paint. He's always that's why he likes to play drop, he likes to keep his center at the rim. Mm-hmm. And to his credit, in the past like week or two, he's been sending two to the ball, trapping at the top. You've seen Sims and Hartenstein out on right. the perimeter a little bit more, which I think is better to the strength. I and I, I do think the Knicks are kind of working out the kinks with all that. So to his credit, he is adjusting a little bit. But yeah, that, that's what they're going to... Thibodeau's always going to prioritize the paint. Yeah. I always got into to, to fights about Lee, about drop versus... Uh, drop versus like just coming up and helping out on picking, trapping. Because sometimes I feel like... Our, sometimes I'm looking at them play drop and I'm like, it doesn't even make sense to play drop here. Is that habit... Or is that, you know, uh, a play call? I always wondered that. I don't know what your take on that is. It, it, it's play call. He, he, 90% of their possessions this season, 95% have been in drop. Um, it puts a lot of, I think a lot of people, when they see drop defense, they focus sometimes too much on the big man. Um, the mm-hmm. guy who's guarding the ball is just as important, the screen navigator, because he has to get through that screen and he doesn't have too much help. He has to fight back in front of the guard. So I think why the defense has been a lot better in the past two months is that they've had grime starting. And he navigates screens about as well as anybody in the league right now. So Mitchell doesn't have to help as much. Yeah, it saves them. It, 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 both of them benefit. It, it's like a dance. And, and you have to be stride for stride with each other. And that was missing when they were like starting Fournier. And then they had RJ navigating screens, which is just not a strength of his. Mm-hmm. And there goes Ryan G. Go fund me for Ryan G's computer, please, please, please. <laughs> oh, he just left. I just realized. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, otherwise, his MacBook just kicked him out. Hold on. <laughs> <He's going laughs> two verses. Yo, Ryan. Ryan, man. <laughs> Ryan got the new gig in Indiana. Listen. <laughs> They got to give you a raise or we got to really start making bread here. So Ryan G can get a new Mac. All right. <laughs> this is ridiculous. This happened like once every show. <laughs> yeah. When, yeah point, Ellis is Ryan G was in meditation. Yeah. When Ryan G's eyes closed for like 20 minutes and didn't open, I was like, oh, he's gone. It's a wrap. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> it is a wrap. Damn, I wanted Ryan G back for this next section. I wanted him yeah. back. Damn it, Ryan. Oh man, because I actually wanted to get into Josh Hart real quick because, um, unless you have anything, any other observations that you wanted to add to talk about when it comes to Nick's schemes offensively, defensively, or any anything you think have to think about a, a player why they're playing better or worse this year, I guess you know what, RJ Barrett. Let's, let's, let's talk about RJ Barrett. Let's talk about RJ. Let's talk about RJ. I want to get your thoughts on RJ Barrett's play. I've been kind of defending him a little bit because um, I've been back and forth on RJ, but I've been defending him a little bit more recently because of the overwhelming backlash. Because I still feel like defense, I can't defend at all. That's I'm, I'm not defending it. (laughs) But when it comes to like the shooting, And even the passing, I feel like he's starting to pass a little bit better. I feel like his touch around the rim has been pretty damn good. There was even a play today where it was like a fast break and, and IQ gives it to RJ and he kind of kisses it off the glass like a little bit of runner. I don't remember RJ having a touch like that even in September. 
And even like the three point shooting, even though sporadic, he's been pr pretty good from three since the Dallas game. I don't know. What do you your take on RJ Barrett? It's tough. I think the conversation around him is like really toxic right now. So it's hard to be like, uh, people are like leaning one way or the other. And it's like, you have to choose a side. Yeah. Um, but I think, if, yeah, it, it's like too hard. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, like I kinda, understand it, but it's uh, like too harsh. Yeah. It's like way too left. It's like, there's no middle ground people, everybody. Anybody. In my opinion, I think the people that are, uh, I mean, I think it's fair to criticize RJ's play. I, I don't think he's been, I don't think he's been good this season flat out. Like, I think he's been, uh, a negative on the court and, and the numbers yes. bear that as well. That's um, but I do think it's important to notice, I mean, to note that um, he, he has improved as a scorer. Um, the, the numbers have ticked up a little bit His his numbers at the rim. They've always been bad, but, and they're still, they're still not where you want it to be, but they are ticking up even in the little mid range floater area, four to 14 feet. It, it's been ticking up as well. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think he'll ever be an elite finisher or, or have an elite like mid range game. He just doesn't have the, the kind of touch you want to, to, to be at that level. And and that's okay. I think he still provides a lot of value because he gets to the rim as well, mm -hmm. at, at will. Um, and as far as a shooter, I, I think with RJ, I think he's really good at spotting up um, from three. Um, catch and shoot threes are, are where he kind of, I think he's reliable in that aspect. Um, I think you can trust a catch and shoot three from him. Yeah. And, and in terms of a passer, I think that's the place where I think we need to see the more growth from. Um, it's been a little bit better of late, but it's, it fluctuates. It's like up and down. I, I think sometimes he gets tunnel vision where he I wants mean. to get to the rim. And, and I think, I think it goes hand in hand. Like if he kicked out, um, a little bit more uh, on his drives, his shooting percentage at the rim would also go up. Cause sometimes he's just forcing shots up when he has a guy open on the corner and the Knicks offense would also benefit from that as well. Defensively is, is a different story. I think it's been a massive disappointment. Yeah. I think it's two seasons in a row where, where he's been a disappointment on the defensive end um he, he has the strength but he doesn't really he uses his strength on offense but he doesn't really use his strength on defense he kind of gets like bodied around he isn't physical on defense um and even then i think another thing people don't talk about enough is that if he was even just a good rebounder it would help a lot um especially for those bench units i, I think they would benefit from That's having rj be a better rebounder um but again at the same time he's 22 yes it is year four but he's 22 years old um that's not being used as an excuse to kind of downplay his play. But I do think it's important to note that, that, you know, progress isn't linear. Growth isn't linear. Development isn't linear. Absolutely. There's ups and downs. And if, if there's one thing we know about RJ, he, he, he's a hard worker. So I'd expect for him to improve at the things he needs to improve at. Um, but yeah, to, to flat out, it, he has had a bit of a disappointing season, but I do think some people's expectations were also way too high. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes you just got to let guys work out the kinks. We've seen it with IQ where he's had stretches where he can't make a shot. Right. And look at him now. He's one of the more consistent players on the Knicks. Everybody everybody works at a different level. So just give give him time and, and we'll, we'll get back to this conversation in the future and see. see, <laughs> we'll, see. If he's still here, we'll see. <laughs> hey, oh, yeah, that's the thing. Um, It's going to... Uh, the the closing lineups are getting tricky, and yes, I, I think Josh Hart is going to make it trickier. I think tonight was a night where if Hart was healthy, he probably closes. Um, you can see Thibodeau didn't really want to finish for RJ, but he was struggling because they kind of needed someone who can hit a three, and then he did hit a big three. So we're, we're going to see. It. It's going to be tricky. You see, 
Look, look, I want you to see my my little hosting duty because I already knew the Josh Hart conversation was coming, and I knew R- I, I knew Ryan G had to come, so I had to mention R.J. Barrett to lead into the Josh Hart and give Ryan G back time to come. Y'all don't even know the level chess I be playing up here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear what Ryan got to say. But yeah, what do you think about RJ Barrett, man, so far this season? Not even just tonight, just so far. Well, I mean, I've been mentioning it on past podcasts. Like, I think the main disappointment with RJ this season has been his effort on defense because in previous seasons, I I have seen him play better defense than he has this season. So that's what my main disappointment is. And a lot of times when he doesn't have it going on offense, like, I could forgive him for not performing offensively if he was still providing defense on the other side of the ball because when he's not providing offensively, he's been playing defense at a bad rate this year. It makes him a huge negative on the court, and therefore it makes it hard for Thibs or it just makes it hard for Thibs to really keep him out there if he's going to be a huge negative like that. So, and I think that's why sometimes Thibs goes like quickly – instead of him to close out games or, you know, or, or whoever else, because Thib sees that at the moment RJ is struggling. If RJ is not providing anything offensively, defensively he's not giving you anything either. Yeah. So I do agree with some of what Ariel said. You know, he's 22 years old. He's still young. He still has room to improve. He's going through a rough patch right now. So you're just hoping that that's something that he can, that he can overcome and, hopefully improve in the future. But this season, yeah, his play has been bad overall, especially on the defensive end. And I'm hoping as the season goes on, he can fix it, especially defensively. And, yeah, that's all I really got to say about RJ. Like, my big disappointment for him is coming on the defensive end. But he has done things to improve his game this season. Like, I do think that he has taken, like, when he drives to the basket, instead of just, you know, running to the basket and just forcing up any shot, like, I think he has take, I think he has improved in that aspect where he drives to the basket. He takes, like, he takes his time and he kind of surveys the floor instead of just, you know, just going straight to the basket, forcing the layups. You know, he'll, like, stop in the middle of the paint, do, like, a little floater mm-hmm. or, like a, or, like, a little mid-range jumper, you know, things of that nature. And he has improved where, you know, when he does penetrate the paint, he will sometimes look for shooters on the outside and pass the ball too. So I'm not saying that RJ's been like a big bust this season. But yeah, like overall, like this season, he has been down. I'm going to say this about RJ's game. Um, I still think there's a chance, Ariel, that he'll have like, he'll have a, a couple of seasons where he puts together and he'll be really good finishing I, I i don't know i still feel like from what i've seen the last month or two i i kind of still feel like that between the way finishing and like the that lower mid-level mid-range game that lower mid game i still feel like that can come together i think like you said the catch and shoot threes can come together shooting off the dribble i don't know if that's ever going to be him um, I don't think so either. Hmm? I, I don't think so either. I, I don't think the the shooting off the dribble. I don't think he has a touch for like a a, a stout mid range game. Yeah. But I do think he can like remedy that w- with being a good post player and right. using his strength a little bit better. So that that's kind of like the give and take he can have. Um, but but as a finisher, I mean, he gets to the rim so much that he doesn't even have to be like this elite finisher. He doesn't have to be like SGA. He just has to be league average. And with how much he gets to the rim. 
th those numbers will, will will even itself out. It's just about you know improving his efficiency, which I know is like a big thing with RJ when he talks about improving his efficiency. But right. it's not just making more shots; it's also taking better shots. Yeah, like I said, when he drives to the rim, sometimes he's forcing it. If he just was a more willing passer on his drives, like his assist numbers would jump up, and and his numbers at the rim would improve because he's taking better shots. You should have had ten assists a long time ago. I keep saying it. He should have had ten assists a long time ago. Yeah. But like, I just think if he focuses on a power, a straight up power game at his position, and just keep bullying guys and working in the post, I think if he just concentrates his energy on all that, he'll be fine. And the passing as well. The defense, I don't know what's got to happen for that because. I kind of feel like he's might be a lot concerned with fouling guys so much. Maybe that's why he's letting people go by him. I don't know. I don't know what's happening on that side of the ball. But. I would I would like to see him slim down. I think it would help him on both ends, actually, like slimming down, not not necessarily getting rid of all his weight because his strength is like one of his best assets. Mm -hmm. But but I think he's a bit slow footed right now, yeah. um, especially defensively. You see it when he closes out, he gets beat immediately. But even on offense, like I, I think he's like bulky. If he was a little slimmer, I, I think he'd have access to like a little bit more like finesse finishes that could help him out a little bit finishing around the room. Um, he's usually finishing like on, on the way down now. Like I, I think, I don't know. I, I'd like to see him slim down and see what that would look like. Nothing too crazy, but um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. King Josh says he needs to copy Brunson's game. Yeah. You hear me say every, almost every episode he needs to copy paste Brunson's game. I say that all the day on time. Uh, he started to do a little bit of that too, but I don't know. He might. We'll see what happens. I say it'll happen for him if things, because you just don't know. Listen, I'm, I'm just keeping it a buck. He was involved in the Donovan Mitchell trade early in the season. There's been Zach Levine rumors floating around. And I'm not saying that, you know, Zach is on his way here. Definitely. But just the willingness to include RJ in the Donovan Mitchell trade rumors makes you believe that anything is really possible, you know? I'm sure the the analytics guys and the, and the numbers guys that are, like, in the Knicks front office, I'm sure they see the numbers. And I'm sure those are the guys that are probably more willing to, to give up RJ because the numbers don't like RJ. Nope. Um, His impact numbers is on-off. Like, they're big fans of, like, Quickly and Grimes, for example, even Mitch. Um. But yeah, so I, I do think even like you mentioned the Donovan Mitchell trade, they've shown a willingness to give up RJ if it gets them like a, a certified star. Um, so so fairly unfairly, I think this offseason coming up is going to be huge for him. Yeah. Um, whether whether it means trade, whether it means he's back and, and like he has a bigger role, maybe he has a lesser role. I don't know. But regardless, like this offseason going into year five, it, it's going to be huge for, for where for the kind of career he's going to have is if it's going to be star level. Is he just going to be a starter level? Is he something more like who knows? But yeah, it's going to be big. Yeah, because we, we just man, we need some shooting on this team so bad. I don't know if anything to add to that, Ryan. Yeah. Well, the one thing I will agree with, it, agree with is I think Ariel do got a point. I do think RJ probably does have to slim down a bit, you know, like not lose all his muscle, but yeah. you know, slim down a good like maybe 10 pounds or so, 10, 15 pounds, because I think that would improve his quickness, which could probably improve his defense. And make, it a, and make him a bit more, quote-unquote, I guess I guess athletic around the rim. So I think if RJ does have a target, I think he should lose like 10, 15 pounds this offseason and see how that looks next season. I do agree with that. Yeah, yeah. 
Salute to the chat. Glamour is like, yo, I like his guy's take. He needs to come back. Yeah, yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a minute, man. We'll have him back. We'll have him back. Wait, right. who, who said that? Shout out, shout out to him. Who said that? Oh, uh, that was that's uh her. One of the the few women who holds it down here, Glamour Nixon. Oh, shout out, shout out to her. I appreciate you. <laughs> All right. Well, salute to the chat. Shout out to everybody in chat. JT Reddit, King John, the building, my real fake cousin, Winston Ellis. Jersey Rick came in here, guns a blazing. Canal Ben was over here. 90s Knicks, who's been uh, bigging me up. Craig Ward. Everybody rocking with the show. If you like the show, hit the like, subscribe. We're here after every game talking Knicks basketball. And we'll be back here tomorrow as well, talking that Knicks basketball talk. And listen, leading, in, leading into this, all right? Josh Hart. I kind of already did a video on Josh Hart earlier about the pros and cons and everything I had to think. I, to me, I already, I already said it, solid pickup for the Knicks. Um, I did kind of like the way McBride was kind of getting into rhythm with this team. I do value um, having young guys on the bench, getting some playing time and learning that way. Cause I think that's valuable. Um, but I, I still like the move, even though that part kind of hurts a little bit. I see the value of having Josh Hart here uh, for the rest of the season and in the playoff run. Uh, what do you think of the Josh Hart signing, Ariel? Um, I, I like it. I, I like Josh Hart as a player. Um, I, I think he, he at the same time, like helps fix a lot of things that the Knicks need. And he also kind of strengthens already what they're good at. Um, I, I think. I think it's a good swing. You mentioned the McBride thing. I, I think they just, I think the Knicks wanted someone who they knew that could be consistent, could be reliable. Like mm-hmm. even tonight, McBride was like 0 for 2. He missed a couple shots yeah. to start the fourth. Um, and I, I think Hart, he helps with the rebounding, obviously. He helps push the ball. Um, I, I think he's he's one of the better finishers at the rim in the league as a guard, yeah. which is good as well. The, the Knicks are just stacking up on guys who like to attack the rim, um, which which is nice. Um, the big thing, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier that the big thing with him is going to be the three point shooting. Yeah. Um, he was at 30% so far in Portland this season. It, how real is that number? He's, he's around like 35% for his career. Yeah. If he could get back to 35%, that's all he needs to be at. Um, he's never been an elite shooter. doesn't have to be an elite shooter. Um, but the even bigger deal than just the shooting number is just, is he going to be willing to take open threes? I was watching a bunch of his games last night and there's times where he's wide open and you'll see him like pump fake and there's no one around them. And then he'll like dribble into traffic. Yeah. That That's a concern. Randall will um, scream on I'll him be... like he does grind. Oh, he, yeah. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> no, <would>. for sure. <laughs> for sure. So so that's going to be that's going to be the big thing, too. And, and um, also, I, I wouldn't su- surprise me if they just go to a 10 man rotation um, instead of running RJ and with that bench unit like they have been. They, they may just put hard in, in, in for him inside. Um, so I, I don't really know. It's hard to know with Thibodeau um, what he's going to do till he does it. Um, but then he'll keep doing it. So we'll see. <laughs> you think he's going to go to a 10-man rotation? I'd be shocked right now if he goes to 10. Because that means RJ is going to be playing less minutes. And then he's just going straight on full full bench unit straight up. So I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I can see a world where where it, I don't think it'd be a huge difference. It'd be like RJ going from like 36 minutes a night to like 31, 32, mm-hmm. um, something like that. Um, but I, I have no idea. I have no idea. If I had to guess, I think he just goes nine man rotation. I think he likes the nine man, okay. even though he did do 10 men for the last two seasons. And then this year he, he shifted. Um, That's true. 
But yeah, it, it, I think Hart, the, the big thing is I think Hart is going to give Thibodeau one more guy off the bench that he can trust. I don't think he trusts McBride yet. I don't, we obviously know he doesn't trust Ovi. Um, yeah. So I, I think Hart gives him one more guy that he's like, if I need it, I have one more, you know, bullet in, my, in, in the holster or whatever, okay. whatever the term is. But yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Yo, I swore he trusted the bench in the second quarter. When the bench lost the lead, because the bench lost the lead for a short minute, they were Knicks were up eight. Bench lost the lead and it was tied, and he didn't call a timeout or anything. He just left the bench in there, and the bench built the lead back up to like eight or nine. And I was like, "Okay, Tibbs, trust the bench, all right." And then the fourth quarter, yeah, that trust was gone when this was hard. Was in there. <laughs> it was complete, complete opposite. Oh, man. Ryan G, I don't know what you what you think about the Josh Hart signing. I know you got a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I think my lot probably comes from the fact that I just wanted to get a, like whiny Knicks fans on Twitter about the move because I feel like a lot of them are reacting off emotion as opposed to logical thinking. I because mean. Welcome to Nick's Twitter. I, I, I know, I know. It's, 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 it's Nick's Twitter, so it's expected. But I just, sometimes I can't stand the stupidity of some Nick's fans because I'm like, okay, look, like, because I, like, I read a whole bunch of Nick's Twitter crap. I don't respond to a lot of it because a lot of it just pisses me off. And I know that if I get into an argument with certain people, I'm just going to get mad. So I, so I pretty much just read and avoid. But, you know, because I hear some people talking about Oh, the Knicks gave up Cam Reddish, and that's like a that's like a first that they gave up, and then they gave up another first to Portland, and so it's like we gave so it's like we gave up two first for Josh Hart. Yeah, they now. doing the math. The math yeah, to be negative is crazy. The, the, the to do I'm the like, extra math to find the negative in the is. I'm like, I'm like, yo, these people are crazy. Like, yo, what's wrong with you people? The math like, only yo, first and foremost, first and foremost. You trade three players who are not in the rotation for a player who's going to play in the rotation. And in that first round pick you gave up, okay, it's a Knicks pick. I get it. But it's heavily protected. God forbid the Knicks run God forbid if the Knicks fall into the lottery, that pick comes back to the Knicks. So essentially, so speaking, so if, if push comes to shove, that's going to be a Knicks pick if Knicks fall into the lottery, number one. Number two, okay, Best case scenario, which I think the case will be the Knicks make the playoffs. It's not a lottery pick. Okay, that pick does go to the Blazers, but but guess what? The Knicks still have the Mavs pick. So Knicks are going to still be able to pick in the 2023 NBA draft coming up. The Mavs have freaking Luka and Kyrie Irving. So you know that pick is going to come through because that's top 10 protected. No way the Mavericks are going to be in the lottery. And even if the Knicks kept their pick, more than likely the Knicks would be picking around that same low mid-range anyway yeah so it's like people complaining about the knicks giving up that pick i'm like i do not get it like do y'all even think these things true honestly but okay back to the josh hart thing so <laughs> okay so josh hart ariel pretty much said a lot right there like i think josh Hart will help the knicks in a lot of ways he strengthens the bench which is you know number one and i and, I, and i've been calling for it like since like earlier like a few episodes ago like Knicks need to strengthen this bench mm-hmm. so that's number one and Hart does it Hart's like a Swiss army life knife like he does a lot of things that can help the team you know especially I, what I, I think that the thing I like most about him is the fact that he's a good rebounder yeah. at his side 
and the fact he likes to push the pace a bit. And, then, you know, how we complain about, you know, Obi not getting easy baskets and stuff like that. With Josh Hart here, I think he will help in that department to get the Knicks on the fast break a little bit more than they do. Yeah. So I do, so I do like that aspect of his game and the fact that he does play defense. Now, the minutes distribution does kind of concern me, but from what I've heard Thibs say, it, because there was a report from Mark Berman. I, I think was about like, to... There was a report from Mark Berman like right after the trade deadline where he basically said that Thibs does not trust Obi's IQ on the court. He basically said that Thibs that thinks Obi's IQ is trash. And then he made another, Thibs made another quote earlier today. And he said that he's, that he, that he can see himself playing hard at small, at power forward sometimes. Yeah. I was right then and there, yeah. right then and there, that tells me maybe it's not McBride's minutes that's in trouble. Maybe it's Obi's minutes that's in trouble. And maybe there is truth to what Mark Berman is saying, because why would, because why would Thibs say that for a guy who's just six, five? Yeah. So right then and there, like, <laughs> it's it's looking kind of bad for Obi at the moment, and that Thibs quote does not help Obi's position at all. But overall, I do like the move though for Josh Hart. Ariel, Josh Hart playing the four. Huh? You're okay. <laughs> no, I, I, no. I, okay, so like, if a different coach said that, I don't think it'd be a concern <laughs> um, because I think Hart can play the four in the right, you know, in the right setting. Um and, and the right matchups. Um, he, he's capable of it. He's a, he's strong. He, he's stronger than he looks. He has a good wingspan. He plays hard. He, he crashes the glass. Like I don't think it's a big deal. Um, but I also at the same time I don't think Thibodeau will ever like remove Obi from the rotation. And that's not because I think Thibodeau likes Obi. I just think the front office, I think the front office like values Obi a lot more than Thibodeau does. Um, yeah. I, I, there was a report. I think Begley had the report where um. They, they wanted, like, significant, like, draft mm-hmm. assets in return for a trade for Obi. Yep. So I think it shows that the Knicks, the, the Knicks front office at least does value Obi. And even when Obi was, like, god-awful, remember his rookie season, that those first, like, two months where he couldn't do anything yeah. and, and it looked bad? Yeah, like, he, Thibodeau still kept playing him. And that's not, I don't think, because Thibodeau wanted to play him. I, I just think he kind of has to give Obi minutes because it's kind of mandated by the front office. Um, he, he's Obi, regardless of how people feel about him, he was the this Knicks front office, well, well like a Leon Rose's first lottery pick, and that's always going to mean something. They they picked them eight. They believe in him at least. So I I don't think I don't think Hart's minutes will come at the expense of Obi. Um, I just I don't know. But the quote is a little scary. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. But this <laughs> be Tidman area. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just think I don't know. I, I can't. I I just can't see a world where they're not playing Obi. Not because I, I just think the front office values him too much for for Thibodeau to like completely go against him like that. I don't um, think. But but we'll see. I don't think there'll be a world where Obi plays zero minutes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That, that's where I'm at. No, no, he might not get more than ten. But, but I not- see a world where he goes. <laughs> Oh, now, now he's going from ten minutes a game to like seven. I, I can see, I can see him doing that. Seven, six minutes. Yeah. I can see him starting to chip away and do, oh, let's play small in, now. And in, in theory, though, like on paper, Hart at the like, I can see that. Yeah, in theory, though, on, on paper, like it, it makes it, getting Josh Hart should make playing Obi easier. Like, in at least in Thibodeau's mind, because. One of the biggest complaints uh, Thibodeau has always had with like the Julius and the uh, Obi lineup is that they don't rebound enough. 
well, if you plug in Hart, Obi, and Randall, that should help mitigate some of the problems. Now, I still point. don't think we'll see it. I still don't think we'll see it just because I, I just think Thibodeau does, is not a fan. Um, but I think in, in theory, like, those two shouldn't be competing with each other. And, and even, and I, I see this a lot with Nick fans on Twitter where, like, now they're like, oh, but Hart should be starting over Grimes and then RJ should go to the bench. And we got to stop. We got to stop making these guys compete against each other. They're all on the same team. Having more options is a good thing. Um, we, I see it way too much. I'm like, even if RJ's on the bench for this fourth quarter tonight, it doesn't mean like he's he's garbage now and like he's useless and the Knicks have no need for him. It t- tomorrow night might be his night. You know, it's a good thing to have multiple options. The best teams in the NBA, the, the Celtics, the Bucks, they have vers- they have multiple lineups that they can go to. They have multiple guys that can play multiple positions. You want that kind of versatility. Yeah. So uh, I'm already seeing it now, and it's like annoying. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it with a passion. Whoa, whoa, Aaron, you're making way too much sense, all right? You can't be over here talking about we all on the same team and we should get along. That's crazy talk, all right? Even though I'll <laughs> even say this, I'm guilty of uh, the Mitch Hartenstein thing. I would say I'm just guilty of that because Hartenstein was so bad for so long. <laughs> I mean, uh, in fairness, he was really bad. I always had faith in Hartenstein. I'm a big, I'm a big Hartenstein guy. Um, I think he was a little hurt to start the season. I think a report came out something about his Achilles was bothering him or mm-hmm. something because he, he was really good. I also think that, and, and this is like a whole different thing that we can go on for another 20 minutes. So I'm just gonna touch on it really quick. I think there's a conversation to be had about like guys like veterans that have come in with the Knicks. Besides Brunson, they they've kind of taken a while to acclimate to kind of Tibbs' system on offense and defense. Mm. Um, I think we saw it with Fournier, for example, where at the end of last season he kind of kind of figured out what Thibodeau wanted from him. Right. Where he had less on ball stuff and he was just more mostly in the corner. So I, I think there's a little. I think especially next season if the Knicks do bring in someone else, don't be surprised if there's a little like month or two where where that guy struggles a little bit to adjust. So you say you, that's a good point. So you're saying usually with Thibodeau players the veterans kind of have like a little bit of a learning curve because of, of the system. And it just, yeah, I, I think, I, I think Thibodeau is a guy that he doesn't really like work to your skill set. He makes your skill set. Like he oh, makes yeah, you adjust for sure. until his system. Like <laughs> that's what we've seen with Hartenstein this season. Like Hartenstein is not a drop big. He's not a guy who just never touches the ball on offense, but he's making it work now. But it took him a while to, to adjust. Like, I think he's a even with Fournier, he kind of had Fournier playing like in the Reggie Bullock role. When Fournier can do that, he's capable of being just a spot up shooter. But Fournier is a guy who, when he was in Orlando, even a little bit in Boston, where he'd get a pick and roll touch every now and then and he could create. And even though his drives to the rim are ugly, he was kind of good at it and he yeah. was a good passer and he just never got a chance to do that. So, and he mentioned it himself too, as well, that it took him a while to adjust to his role. So, I, I think it's a very real thing. Definitely a real thing. We talk about Tibbs uh, not adjusting all the time here to his personnel. We talk, we talk, listen, we talked about Obi being turned, using Obi like Sean Marion and when he came in being compared to uh, Amari Stoudemire. We talked about that for a long time. Like, how many pick and rolls have been run for Obi since he's been in an Enoch uniform where he's like the dive man? I, probably less than 20. And I don't even think I'm exaggerating. Like, I think that might be the actual number. So this be tipping sometime, which is why I just I, I feel like we eventually gonna have to move on because of that. But it's it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yo, salute to the chat. We have Fritz. Wait, welcome back, Fritz. <laughs> if you actually want to call in, you can call in now. All right. 319-527-6241. 
319-527-6241. If you want to call in, have anything to say about anything we just said, you can call in right now. We'll only take like a couple of calls though, because I feel like it's been kind of late. Um, and I think we talked about pretty much everything you want to talk about in my head anyway. Um, I, I did kind of want to talk a little bit about the OB topping factor in general though, not even just because of the Josh Hart thing, but just because of the money. And I talked about this in the video uploaded. So a lot of people, well, one thing I'll say is this, well, a lot of people were pissed because, well, they were pissed because we got rid of cam, but a lot of people were thinking, how come we just didn't sign heart in the off season? Like we could have just waited, but like the Knicks aren't a team that has cat space. Like we're not that team anymore. It's not like years ago where, you know, you can sign a guy for 20 million or so right now he's making 20, 12 million a year. He can opt out next season and he probably will be one of the paid around 17 to 20. So if we wanted to sign him next season, we wouldn't really be able to, unless it was, I don't know. so it, it was better to have him here right now where we have his bird rice and go over the cap, if anything. Um, but that kind of leads me to the Obi conversation. Cause if, if we're planning, if the Knicks traded him, that means we're trying to keep him, right? Cause we gave him a pick, right? Am I crazy to assume that? No, no, I, I definitely think Josh Hart is, is getting re-signed. I, I, the front offices don't make deals like that for a guy who's going to be a free agent or can be a free agent. If there's not something planned, um, Schwinn has talked a lot on Twitter about how Hart has a lot of connections already to the Knicks, like front office. Like yes, I think Leon really. Rose used to be his. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the, uh, there's no way that the Knicks don't have an idea of what number he wants. And, and I'm sure both sides like have an idea of what the other is going to do. And I actually think we have a lot of people haven't talked about it, but I was listening to, I think the low post like, like a week or two ago, and they were talking about how Josh Hart kind of has a weird contract where it's kind of a mutual option where if Hart does decline his player option the knicks have like a partial guarantee on his deal so i, I think it's a little bit tricky trickier than that um he has like a very weird deal i, I i'm gonna read up more on that before i, I confirm that a um, partial but I, I think guarantee something like that like a non-guarantee or something where they can like so but i still think they'll resign him long term but i don't think it's just flat out like Hart can leave on his own if he wanted to is my point interesting because fred Cass was kind of writing about it but he didn't explain it the way you explain it. So when, when I was reading it from Fred Katz, my mind didn't click that this was like some kind of weird contract that's different. Like it kind of read normal. To he, me. he has a weird deal. I, I'm not exact. I'm not like, I don't want to put the, I'm yeah, putting yeah, it out yeah, there already. So it's my bad. I, I, that's all me. But um, it's something weird. Like I, I promise you guys, it's something weird. I, I'll send it to you after this. Okay. <laughs> all right. I'll go, I'll go. But I guess my bigger question is we sign him. Because we know we want to re-sign him. And like you said, the Knicks probably have an idea. Then we have Emmanuel Quickly's out here playing well. IQ hive in the building. To me, it just seems like all doors lead to Obi leaving. To me. Like, it just seems like that move makes it no way around it. If, we, if we're re-signing Josh Hart, um, I would think... The, the Knicks front office would pick quickly over Obi just based off of what's happening this year. Minutes distribution, uh, how he's played. The the trade room was calming down from the beginning of season to mid season. It seems like they're p 
they're going in on the IQ ride. But all that seems like Obi is, is on his way out. Or they just feel like they can just res keep him around for ridiculously cheap. Which, if I was Obi, I wouldn't even do that. You know, like, is, am I bugging? Um, what do you think about that, Ryan? No, I, I definitely agree. Um, Even before this trade happened for hard, I always thought that Obi didn't have a future with the Knicks. Always felt like if the, if the right opportunity presented itself, the Knicks would move him. And clearly you heard rumors swirling around during the trade deadline that you know, the Knicks weren't looking to move Obi, but was for significant draft capital. You know, unfortunately, no team wanted to match that, so Obi is still here. So I don't think Obi factors in long-term anyway with the Knicks. And I think mm -hmm. it was evident before the trade deadline even came based on the amount of time that Dibs plays him. And, you know, he was only, he's only getting like, what, 10, 11, 12 minutes a game, you know, compared to like IQ who gets like, 25 26 minutes a game grimes who's getting like 30 minutes a game like yeah. you can clip see who dibs favors when it comes to young guys and obi doesn't and obi just doesn't factor in i think the fact that obi doesn't really play defense i think that's the main reason why dibs is not really a fan of him and yeah i really don't see a future here for obi like i feel like if the right trade comes obi is gone yeah yeah ariel anything to add to that uh I got two things. Okay. Um, the first thing is, I think another thing people are missing with the Hart thing is that um, Derek Rose isn't going to be on the team next year. And I think Hart is going to sign for around that number that Rose is at. So I, I think they're essentially replacing Rose's contract slot with um, Josh Hart's. That's a good point. Um, so yeah. so I, I think that's another thing people have missed. And I found it. This is exactly, I, I'm going to read it. It's ah, like three sentences. There you go. This is from The Athletic. It's from Sam Vecini. Um, so it says, the fundamentals of this deal make a ton of sense for the Knicks. Hart has a strange contract and makes about $13 million this year and next year. But next year is essentially a mutual option. He has a player option that he has to make a decision on first. If he exercises it, the deal becomes non-guaranteed for the Knicks. It gives the team some real flexibility in determining what they want to do with him. So it, it's, it's a little trickier than that. But regardless of all that, I still think that they will re-sign him like, for like three years or something. Like I think they want him here for a while. So he can opt in and then the Knicks go non-guaranteed. So Yeah, so that so they can they, say they no, we don't want you after he opts in. Yeah, yeah. He has a weird contract. I don't know why he signed that deal. I don't that's a weird deal. It's rare for like an NBA player, but he does have like a weird deal compared to most NBA players. Okay, so you can say opt in and he'd be like, nah. But then he can just opt out though. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it, it does make it a little, it's weird. Okay. It's weird. That's so weird. All right. Interesting. Very, they both can opt. Okay. All right. They can opt in and I can say, nah, I still don't want you. <laughs> yeah. That is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what it does do, what it does do is it gives them options for like trades too, like that kind of thing. I'm sure that's what it is for. I don't know, but we'll see how oh, it is. Oh, that's what Fred was saying. Now it's making freaking sense right now. Okay, all right, make a click for me because I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> okay, okay, so say he decides to, they decide to opt in, he decides to opt in, and then the Knicks can still trade him for a bigger deal next year because he's to somebody else. Is that so? Yeah, he can opt in, it, it just gives flexibility. To bring in Zach Levine or something, or whatever. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just gives a lot of flexibility for what they want to do. Like, depending on his date, it could be after draft night, like his opt-in date. So it just gives a lot of flexibility for what both, like, even what Hart wants to do. So we'll, we'll see. It, can, more than likely not, though. He's going to opt out, though, and get a yeah, long-term he's deal. Gonna opt out. Uh, yeah. Can you opt in and then get a raise after you opt in? No, that don't make no damn sense because you just opt out. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think so. I don't know, man. I'm not a CBA guy. <laughs> this is when we need the cat guy here. So I don't know. Man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this stuff is complicated. We, we got to brush up on our CBA. <laughs> brush. I'm not brushing nothing. I'm like, I'm, I, oh, yeah, I, know, I'm not. I know my lane. <laughs> I leave that to the experts. That's not me. I leave that to the experts. I am not a lawyer. Yeah, and, and it's funny because when I, when I was in college, I was taking sports law classes too, and they had us reading CBAs too in college. Uh, See, look, yo, Ryan been holding out on us all this dog. We should just give you the you CBA. You have to bring book. the book back out. How you bring that down? If I can find it first and foremost, if I can find it. Man, man we can do our Googles. We can find that in five minutes and, and email that to you. <laughs> Let us know what it means, what a double opt in means. All right. Next episode tomorrow. Tune in. Ryan G gives his lessons on double opt-ins. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh man. What yo? One last thing I want to talk about. The ultimate double all-star snub, Bruh. By the NBA. Okay. Bruh picked to the NBA because. Kyrie Irving gets traded to the West Coast. KD gets traded to the West Coast. All these things happen, and the NBA has to pick three alternate All Stars to replace those guys. And I'm oh, I'm looking like all right, yo, Brunson gotta get it now, right? Who do they pick? Siakam. Help me out, guys. I don't remember right now. It was Siakam yeah, uh, in the West. Hmm? Yeah, Anthony Fox. Edwards and Fox. Anthony yeah. Edwards and Fox. They, Siakam, Anthony Edwards, and Fox. I can get Fox. I can get Anthony Edwards. Siakam? I think with, I think with Siakam, it was because Durant is her, and he's the one that he got traded as well. But um, I think it's, I think they needed a forward. Um, I think Brunson still has a shot to get in for... Um, I just had his name. I just forgot. Uh, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown might, might miss the game because he, he got a facial fracture. So there's oh, still yeah, another chance that they'll, they'll need a guard. So it could be, it's going to be between Brunson and Harden, actually, which they both play tonight. But I think it'll be one of those two. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I'm hoping that Brunson gets in because the way he's playing, he deserved it for sure. It's funny. He's exceeded my expectations. And I, and I kind of felt like I was worried about his three-point shooting from the rip. Um, I was worried about him transitioning from being a guy in Dallas to a guy in New York. I thought I was worried about his finishing and be able to to shoot in the mid range because of the lack of spacing. I was just wrong about everything. He's just pretty much been killer in the mid range still. Got better from the three as time gone along. Started to take pull up threes and has become the leader of this team on every single level. So I've I've definitely underestimated him. He, he, I hope he gets in. Yeah, I mean, I hope so, too, but I don't think he will, just for the simple fact that, you know, the coaches are kind of funny because the Knicks are because the Knicks right now are currently a seventh seed, and it's rare when you have two all-stars from a team that's a seventh seed. That's why I think if Jalen Brown can't play, I feel like they're going to pick somebody else rather than skip over one because we already got Julius Randle as an all-star. Yeah, but Brunson's having an all-star caliber season for sure. 
it's just I think people find it hard to give a seventh seed like you know two all stars. Yeah. It's just like it's just always been a thing. They just try to spread the the kind of credit around, which is fair or unfair. It's just how it is. Um, so I I think I think if there is another spot that opens up, I think Harden's ahead of him. Um, right now, just because yeah. of that, they'll want to give Philly two all stars, you know, as opposed to the Knicks. That sucks, man. I'm still mad that Halliburton is in there right now, and they're not even in the playoff hunt. They go all the way out. <laughs> they all the way out, but Halliburton can get in. I'm just like, come on, son. We need to like, we need to fix that. You can't be the 13th team in the NBA and be an All Star game. I'm sorry, bro. Like, come on, man. Bruh. We need to update the rules. All right, all right, man. I, I, I told about everything I want to talk about. If you guys have any final thoughts that you want to add, speak now. <laughs> nope. No. Good. Nothing. Nothing. All right. I, I all thought right. We talked about a lot. Yeah, we did. We did talk about a lot. Uh, great show, guys. I uh, love having you here, Ariel. Definitely got to have you back. I love having video guys here. They see the game in a different way. You know what I'm saying? I low key wanted to be a video guy back when I had more time. Remember when I started doing the show, Ryan? I used to watch watch games like like tapes like five times and then like rewind. Yeah. <laughs> and then rewind it. Then I got more responsibilities and then I couldn't I didn't have the time to do all that no more. So. That's why I like video games. Hard. Huh? It's a lot of time. It's a lot of time. A lot of commitment. It's hard. It's, this is a lot of time. A lot of time. So I commend y'all. Definitely follow, follow Ariel. It's a great follow. Um, for sure. I'm pretty sure Fritz will put uh, your your um, Twitter in the chat. Um, Appreciate cool. you. So that's the show. Ariel, let me know where you can find you, man. Uh, just follow me on Twitter at A Pacheco NBA. Um, I, I tweet a lot of videos about the Knicks specifically. Um, if y'all into that kind of stuff, just just drop me a follow. And for and, and thank both of y'all for having me on. I, I have fun. I appreciate y'all. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, we'll, we'll definitely have you on. You always bring some some good insight. Yeah, so I, I, just, I like picking your brain. All right, Ryan G. Let them know where they can find you, sir. You can find me on Instagram at Sir G is chilling. Sir G is chilling. That's S I R G. Is C-H-I-L-L-I. You can also find me at Sergi's Corner. You can also find me on Twitter at Ryan G-K-O-T. And I got to mention this before we go. Big up Mikhail Bridges because he low-key threw shit on the nets. Oh, <laughs> oh man, I got to find the video. Oh, I might get flat for playing it. Right, I'm scared so, to play it. <laughs> all right, so Nets versus the Bulls last night on TNT. They were interviewing my guy. Hold on. And, and and I think and I think the reporter asked him a question. He was like, "With you being a Philly guy, how do you feel like living? How do you feel like playing in New York? You know, since you know Philly and New York are kind of like rivals." So they were asking him like, "How do you feel about playing for a New York team?" And my guy was like, "You know," he was saying, "Well, you know, I, I you know I love New York and this and that, and blah blah blah." And he was like, "I love playing at MSG." And then he was like, "They had a thing." And I remember playing. Here in college at the Barclays Center, that's all he said, that, and that's all he had to say about the Barclays Center. Yeah. Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I think I got the audio for you guys. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Oh wait, is it not? Oh, is my laptop not connected to the? Oh. What a time! What a time! No. Okay. Is that what's happening? Oh, come on, Bluetooth. Come on, you can do it. Oh. 
All right, let's see if it works now. Um, I mean, I love him. I love being in New York. I love playing at MSG. You know, Barclays. I remember playing Barclays in college as well. So, um, I mean, I love him. I love being in New York. I love playing at MSG. You know, Barclays. I remember playing Barclays in college as well. So. Yeah, yeah. It's too bad you're not a free agent until like 2026, and too bad oh. like Usai Jiri and like Danny Ainge, the Nets hate our guts, so they're not trading him to us. <laughs> It, it, it's like it's like the Cal Bridges is, is already low key auditioning. Like, yeah, Knicks, come get me, please. Please, please. did you see the heart, man, the love in his eyes when he got treated? He saw, he saw Brunson and Hart texting each other. They was like texting each other on Twitter, like it was a private group, like a private chat. But like we can all see it, bro. And he, oh man, Macau's mad jealous right now. But um, nice. yeah, Macau, man, just just hold out, just hold out the twenty twenty six. Or you could be like a G and force your way out like uh like AD. All right, come to the, the Barclays Center with the that's all sh that's all folks T-shirt on. Force your way across the bridge, and we'll be glad to have you. All right, <laughs> all right. Well, that's our show. Uh, thanks for reminding me about that, Ryan. You can find us. At, you can find us at a certain a few places. The KOT Show on Twitter, the Naked Time Show on Instagram, and Naked Time Show on Facebook. Also, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, everywhere you listen to podcasts, you can listen to the KOT show and get those snapbacks blue and white, black and orange at thenickatimeshow.com. All you got to do is go there, thenickatimeshow.com, hit catalog, boom, all the merch pops up, get your KOT snapback. I need to broaden the, I need to get the beanies and the, the, the dad hats and stuff too, because not everybody don't rock, right, like rocking a snapback, so... I might have to do that in the summer. All right. All right. Cool. That is our show. Thank you guys for watching. And yeah, we'll be back here tomorrow. And guys, you ready to the drill? As always. Shut out the World Wide West. Everywhere we go, we leave a worldwide mess. It's a mess out here in these next YouTube streets. That's our show. We out this mug. Peace. York, New York, big city of dreams. New York, New York, big city of dreams.